Hi folks, Jack Spirgo here with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is Wednesday, May the 26th, 2021. This is episode 2779. It's going to be a bit of a long one. I had a really long discussion, but it was because it was just such a great, fantastic discussion. Our special guest today is Neethi Bailey. Uh, and we're going to talk about gaining health independence today and, and a, a wide variety of topics that are interspersed within this. She's a fascinating woman. Um, she is big on the carnivore diet. We're going to talk about that. She is uh, big on food freedom. Uh, she's founded something called a food church that, that, that leverages that particular weak spot of the state to actually give people the food freedom that they should have anyway. Um, she's a very intelligent person. She's very well-versed in a lot of the systems of control that are going on in the world beyond uh, systems of control in the food system. And we're going to talk about how many of these other systems of control go back to the food system. And if you give people a diet that makes them into compliant sheep, well, then they behave like compliant sheep. And we're going to have a great discussion. We'll have her on in just a moment. Before we do, uh, I want to remind you about two of our sponsors today. Uh, the Wealth Steading Podcast with John Pugliano. My... My uh, One of my mentors in life used to say, life is like a shit sandwich. The more bread you have, the less shit you have to eat. And one of the ways that we build up that bread is by building up our wealth. Okay? And if you want to build your wealth, you need to understand the rules of wealth and how money works. And you need to tune in to John Pugliano's Wealth Steading Podcast. John knows his stuff. We have been working with John here at the Survival Podcast for I think it's like nine years now. I first met, met him in Salt Lake City at a prepper convention. And uh, he came up to me and told me he was going to start a business as a financial advisor. And he knew that I generally call financial advisors uh, financial liars, but he would do things differently in the right way. And, of course, I didn't know him from Adam, so I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. You know, why would I doubt that in a person? But he told me something I didn't know at the time, uh, just a few years ago. He said he actually just stepped outside my booth and watched me work with people and talk to people to see who I really was. And after about 30 minutes of standing there, he said, yeah, I want to work with this guy. If you want somebody that thinks that way, And you want to learn from that type of person when it comes to how to build and manage and, and develop your wealth, you got to tune in to the Wealth Steading Podcast with John Pugliano. Next up today, ButcherBox.com. You'll hear me mention that um, I had some fantastic ribs today. Guess where they came from? That's right, ButcherBox.com. ButcherBox.com is your easy button source for grass-fed beef pastured pork and pastured poultry, and great seafood, too. Check them out today at ButcherBox.com. Remember, you can get $10 off every single box at ButcherBox. Every time you get a box, every month, $10 off, that's $120 a year if you're an MSB member. Uh, that's one of their many commitments they've made to this audience. They've sponsored so many of my workshops, and I've been able at, at many times, not all the time, but many times, when they're running a special for new members only, I've been able to get them to let TSP members in, even if they're existing customers. Because of that, some of you guys have two or three things you have for life, like lifetime wings, lifetime ground beef, and lifetime bacon. 
Some of you have triple stacked. I've triple stacked. I can't guarantee you'll be able to triple stack, but I can guarantee you top quality meat that you're going to love at a great price, shipped straight to your door, frozen rock solid and protected by dry ice. It'll be there. My next box should be here tomorrow. I can't wait. Check them out today at butcherbox.com. All right, with that, let's go ahead and dig into this. I have a couple things first. Though. One is kind of an important announcement. I often tell you to get on the TSP Telegram channel. The Telegram channel is you got to get the Telegram app, and it's like it's a way to send text messages and other files and other things too, but mostly text messages. And it works like text messaging, except it actually respects your privacy. And the channel means you'll just get messages from me. We also have a group you can talk to other people, but I always say one of the real reasons to get on the channel is the item of the day. Okay, the item of the day because sometimes like a special really hot deal comes out, like like did. Monday. It was just part of why I'm, I'm doing this, right? Um, and it sells out. So the deal that came out Monday sold out in a couple hours. And then I ran it yesterday because it didn't sell out by the time I did yesterday's show because I'm now doing the shows one day in advance under my new schedule so I can take Fridays off. Right? That's why I'm bringing this up. And what that means is I'm going to have to pick my item of the day the day before a show runs. So if there's a, a, a special that's like a daily deal or something like that, you see how the problem comes up there. So what I'm going to do when I spot a daily deal or something that's like a really good deal that's probably going to sell out, I'm going to go ahead and run it as a second item of the day. But it's not going to be in the show. So yeah, I'll put it in the email and whatever, but it's not going to go out until that email goes out. But if you're on the Telegram channel, you'll get it. And sometimes you won't care. But what about that one time you do care? So please, if you have not yet subscribed to our Telegram channel, please consider doing that. Um, there's a link to do that in the show notes of just about every show. Okay. Uh, next up, let's before we bring Anithi uh, on, let's let's talk about our quote of the day. We're going to talk about food today, so I thought I'd talk about food, but maybe in a little bit of a different way. Um, MFK Fisher was a writer said sharing food with another human being is an intimate act that should not be indulged in lightly isn't that interesting because we you know, usually how many business meals have you had if you in the business world or whatever but I actually think one of the best ways to understand a person is to share a meal with them And one of the best ways to understand a culture is to share that culture's meal with the person that prepared it from that culture. I think food is a common bond of humanity because it's something we all need and we all engage in on a daily basis. I, I wonder how many first dates involved a meal. And I wonder how, because we become so detached from our food and our food source and the importance of quality food, I wonder how much we've lost of an understanding of how actually intimate a relationship you're developing with a person when you share a meal. With that, let's go ahead and get into the main topic of today's show. All right, folks, and with that, I want to say, hey, Neethi, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have you on. I, 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 uh, I got to know you through a, a guest episode of Unloose the Goose that you were on, uh, though I didn't get to make that episode myself. Uh, I, I enjoyed watching it. And, um, and, and I think that connection was made through Nicole Sauce, who we call Nicole Awesome Sauce around here. So it, it's great to have you on board, but a lot of people probably didn't see that episode. So let's start out with just who are you and how did you get into what you're doing today? 
<laughs> well, thank you so much. And, um, yeah, we, let's see, I actually, I got into what I'm doing right now because uh, we had a two-year-old daughter who was diagnosed with esthesioneuroblastoma in 2007. And that was basically the catalyst that drove me towards um, learning about basically um, everything you talk about. Um, she was what woke us up to um, the institutional overreach and um, just generally, you know, um, broke me out of the matrix. I think your audience will understand that I was in the matrix and now I'm not in the matrix anymore. Gotcha. And, and we have you on today to talk about gaining health independence and removing yourself from the centralized medical institution, right? And, and, and reversing disease, enjoying robust health. So if we're going to talk about all that, let's start off with a basic understanding of what we're talking about. What to you anyway is health independence? So for me, health independence means that, you know how you look out at wild animals? Sure. Like, it's amazing to me. They're like thriving and robust health, and they don't have doctors. They don't have insurance. They don't need a plan. They're just being guided by, like, infinite intelligence, and somehow, you know, they're enjoying life. Like, how? I mean, however long or short it is, you know, people could argue that, but health independence means that naturally robust health without mankind's interference. And it is amazing, isn't it? I mean, I'm a hunter. I've hunted my whole life. And if you hunt kind of farm country where the deer raid the cornfields in the early fall, you'll get deer with uh, more fat than you will from a deer up in the mountains. Uh, you know, kind of back fat. Whatever. But what I've never seen in my life, having hunted since I was nine years of age is an obese deer. <laughs> I have I have never seen an obese deer. People say, well that's because they you know they, they can't just eat whatever they want. I'm like, that's because you don't <laughs> you don't go in the woods. Like all the damn things do all day long, nonstop is eat. And right. yet there's no obese deer. Right? right? There's no, and, and you say, well there's an obese hippo. Well hippo's supposed to be that way, right? Like like animals just somehow yeah, yeah, I mean, are they, are they obese or not? That's, that's what, what I'm saying. Sense. Relative to what they are, no, they're not. That's that's they're designed that way. So when another hippo bites them, they don't die, right? Like like <laughs> right. like there are no actual obese animals for that animal in nature, right? We don't have that. That doesn't exist. And 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 how is that possible without a dietitian telling them to count calories and making a food pyramid for a deer or an elk? How how can that possibly be? Right. I mean, you know, and if you go back, um, I mean, you know, I don't like to keep going back to, you know, our ancestral man or whatever because you know people get confused and it's kind of bastardized a little bit. So I don't try to go too much into that, you know. But the truth is that before we were civilized, <laughs> you know, when we were uncivilized, we really were just doing much better. And it is 
it's an absolute lie that we were just dropping dead um, for any reason outside of, you know, natural, like, you know, age or causes, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, because they keep rewriting history. But, you know, uh, the suffering before death, like right now, I think what people think is supposed to happen <laughs> is you're supposed to get old, which means you get to where you get bent over and you can't walk. And then you're on a lot of pills and you don't have teeth. <laughs> and then you suffer and people get sad and, and then you, you die. And then everybody's like, oh, that poor whoever, you know, that's not a life. That's not living. And um, what people are calling health today is, is kind of like Pop-Tarts. It's fake. Imitation. It's it's not real. Like at this red hot minute, everybody thinks food is everywhere. Well, I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think I can find food anywhere. It's really hard for me to find something that I'm willing to put in my mouth. But I guess that's because I'm bougie or uppity or you know selfish or I I don't know. <laughs> you expect food to actually be food? <laughs> that, that, I, I could be, you know, what you're talking about, it makes me think of, I can't remember the name of it, and I really got to look this up and find the name of this uh, this uh, documentary, but it was on Netflix, mm-hmm. and it was kind of moving toward the paleo, primal, keto stuff, right. and there was a bunch of things in it, there was like several different kind of moving parts at the same time, but one was these aboriginal people in Australia. And they went in and talked to these people, and they were all extremely overweight, looked in poor health, especially the older people. Um, and they had these two women that were kind of the matriarchs that were going to be part of this experiment and, and kind of lead everybody in going back and eating traditional food of the Aborigine people. And they were interviewing them, and the guy said to him, well, what do people die of today? And they're like, you know, die, same thing we do, diabetes, yeah. heart disease, et cetera, Right. He goes, okay, so you guys look like you've been around a while, and they look at each other like, yeah. So do you remember when people weren't dying of these things? And they're like, yeah, well, what did they die of then? And it was all uh, bacterial and viral things that we've developed, you know, antibiotics and vaccines for, like smallpox and, and what have you. And so they stopped dying of that because we came up with ways to treat it, and then they began dying of these, you know, other diseases. So you'd think if you went back before that, then they would have died of the same thing they do now. But they, the guy said to him, well, what do, do you know what people died of before they were dying of these bacterial and viral diseases? They looked at each other, and they kind of talked about it in their native tongue, and the one came back and said, old age. Yeah, they just dropped dead. They just dropped dead. Like one day they were there, one day they weren't. But they didn't have this long decay that you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, my aunt uh, dropped dead. One of my aunts just dropped dead. She didn't suffer. I mean, somebody could argue that she was overweight or whatever, okay? Yeah. But she was not on a single medication. She was not in pain. She cooked. She cleaned. She didn't have somebody who needed to feed her. She was not in diapers. She Maybe she didn't look like what you call the epitome of health. I mean, I think that what people think health is supposed to look like and what it actually looks like is not what it is. Mm. And, I mean, that that woman could not complain of any physical 
uh, debilitating, you know, thing at all. She ate what she wanted. She moved a little bit in the morning. She was not like some fitness queen, okay? She was just loving everybody. She was spiritually very together. Her mind was strong. And one day she just dropped dead and everybody was like, ah, how did that happen? What did she die of? And, <laughs> you know, at, there was nothing, no cause that they could put it towards, you know? And, um, and I was like, I mean, she was 78, you know, and mm. she just went to bed one day and didn't wake up. I mean, I really don't know that there was anything wrong with that. I think we all have a, a baseline time that we get to be here. And yeah. maybe for some it's 78, maybe it's 98 for others. But I think that the idea that you pro you prolong life at all costs has become quite toxic to mm -hmm. humanity. And then I think if you add to it, and let's feed people toxic food while we do that, <laughs> like there is only... Pretend food. It's not. I don't even call it food. I yeah. call it poison. Pretend food. <laughs> like, call it what it is. It's yeah. poison. It's a man-made, fake concoction guising guised as food you know it's it's a valid claim because if you think about like the number of foods for instance alone that contain high fructose corn syrup <laughs> like and then like people say well what's the problem with that you know, if you in moderation or first of all none of this none of this is in moderation that's, that's just no. a fictitious claim <laughs> right but if you understood the process by which an ear of corn turns into high fructose corn syrup. Right. There is no natural process that could possibly <laughs> result in you consuming that substance. It doesn't. There is no place where, like, you know what? This is just made with natural high fructose corn syrup. It grew <laughs> that way. It's not a thing. No, no. I mean, I find it. Okay, so you you're you're known to have been raising ducks, from what I understand. Right? A little bit. <laughs> okay, so, I mean, if you've raised any kind of livestock, period, then isn't it amazing that we can know, I mean, you know, I'm working with farmers over here, okay? So, we're able to know how to raise livestock based on their digestive systems. Mm. You know, you know how to feed them based on their digestive systems. So when someone says to me, and I don't know that you're going to like what I'm getting ready to say. I've been, I've been, you know, binge listening to your, uh, your keto experience. And, um, and I'm going to be that person that says there is a, a, a actual real human diet that we're supposed to follow just based on our digestive system. Okay. Mm. The same way that you would study a chicken or a deer or a duck. Or, you know, a cow. Um, there's a specific, um, you know, our, all our digestive systems are the same. So, now the difference is, you know, we're um, got the, we have choices. We get to make choices. We get to make more choices than, than I mean, actually the duck does too. If you're raising ducks and you're out there observing your ducks, you got personalities in those, you know, in, amongst those ducks. And some of them want something, some of them don't want something. Um, yeah, they kind of 
are beholden to you for what you're feeding them. But if you have them out on pasture, then they do also get to choose. Yeah, I mean, a perfect example would be my feed out, my, my inputs for feed to them cuts right. in half about two to three weeks from right now and will stay that way all summer long when the grasshoppers come. Once the grasshoppers come, then they eat duck feed, but they eat a lot more grasshoppers. Right now, they'll, they'll do a lot of browsing on greenery and stuff like that, but nothing compares to when the grasshoppers come. When the grasshoppers come, there's literally duck hunting parties that <laughs> drive grasshoppers the way people drive deer in a deer hunt, right? And, and, and you know, you can say they have individual personalities on. Some of them do. Some are a little bit more gluttonous than others. But when the grasshoppers come, it's on. And it's it's almost like ducks eat grasshoppers or something. Like, you know, you can you can domesticate them all you want, make them whatever pretty color you want, but you show it a grasshopper, it's gonna eat a freaking grasshopper. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that this woke society <laughs> and you know I don't mean conscious. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody listening to you knows what you mean. There's okay. so no you, explanation required for wokeism around here. <laughs> right. I mean, these woke people. Okay, you can't see me on this audio, but I'm from India. Okay. Um, I'm a, and I'm also a woman, and I identify as a woman, whatever that means whatever that in means. the woke world. I'm biologically a female. I am married to a male. That was as God intended. Yes. So now I'm a bigot and I'm a racist and I'm all these kind of things when really, I mean, our only work on this planet is to procreate. Like that is literally our only work. And whatever else anybody wants to believe is, is, is something inspired by the matrix. And if you're observing nature, the survival of the fittest piece is real. It's real. And if those ducks aren't really doing a good job with, I mean, you can call them gluttonous or whatever, some of them, <laughs> but some of them are just stronger and they're, they have more of a desire and will to live and ability to hunt than the rest of them. And they're just going to thrive more and they're probably going to be more delicious too as a side effect you know but no one wants to allow this part of the conversation and then everybody's desperately seeking relief all the time well the relief is in the truth the relief is in the health uh you said what do i think is health independence i think it's being able to live and operate in a state of of relief and not just contentment. Like a lot of people just want you to get to contentment. I think contentment is a low frequency. I believe that we're all meant to be joyful and, 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 and I'll even go so far as to say ecstatic. I mean, I should wake up in the morning going, yes, I'm awake. And if I don't wake up in the morning excited about being awake, like it's the sun is awake. It's time for me to get up. If I don't wake up like that, which I don't think most people can really say that right now, because they're just trying to reach for contentment, which is just a very low frequency. Um, you know, I would argue that those ducks 
and anything that you observe in, in the wild, they're so excited to get up. If you're, if you're on a farm in the morning and you see the livestock and how they behave on a regenerative farm, they are so happy to be awake and they get to sleep because they have the security of the husbandry on the livestock farm. They have people who are taking care of them that are, you know, making sure they're safe and tending to them, that husbandry. Well, and, and you're right. When you open, when I open the door of their house and I let them out, it's a freaking celebration every day. It's kind of like when you come home to see your dog, how they flip out. Like if you've been gone for three minutes, three hours, or three days, you get the same excited greeting. When you open that door, it's the same thing. There's never a day where they're all like, eh. I don't, I don't know. When it got down to like four below zero, they, <laughs> they, they weren't real enthusiastic that day. But, you know, 99.9% of the time, they come out of there. They're ready to rock and roll. They're excited. There's a new day. There might be grasshoppers. You don't know. You're going to have to go out and find out. You know, I mean, like, like it's like, hey, we've got to go check some stuff out, man. Like, it's bath time, you know. It's time. Hey, the guy's here. He's going to fill up our tubs. Like, they are in a, an enthusiastic mood. The chickens are in an enthusiastic mood. The little rooster wants to try to spur me in the, in the, in the, in the calf so he can protect his girls. Like, they are ready to roll. The dogs, you wake up in the morning, dogs are like, oh, are we going out? Are we going to let the birds out? Like, all the animals, like you said. It? Are we doing it? Are yeah. we ready? Are we going? Are we going? What are you I doing mean drinking coffee? You can have coffee when we come back. Come on, now, let's go. Right. And that's I think you're right. I think to some level we should have that in our lives. I think what does that is having something to look forward to uh, long term and short term where most people are just like you said, they're just trying to create a stasis where they can just have what they need. Like, I think if you gave most people the analogy of you can either be the lion on the Serengeti <laughs> and, and your, your son could come back and kill you, but you're out there and you get to be a lion or you can be the lion in the zoo. They'll choose the zoo, and it's sad. And I think our food has something to do with that. I'm confident of that. I am confident of that. And my, like, you know, so I've been working with people with very serious uh, illnesses because when, you know, what I didn't tell you is that when my daughter was diagnosed with cancer when she was two, she was terminal at best upon presentation, which... The hospitals didn't um, acknowledge. Mm. And to me, that was the moment when I um, should have left. I should have left the hospital yeah. right away. But, you know, um, I was just a programmed cog in the matrix. I, I was really well trained. You know, I really was. I was, I was following all the rules and I was checking all the boxes because I was going to do a really good job and be a perfect mother. And, you know, I read all the books and I was, you know, that was back when I cared about the accolades because I thought that was what I was supposed to be going for because the training, the institutional training is, you know, you're nothing without these ribbons and rewards and, you know, you got to win all the prizes or whatever. Um, when actually I should have just followed my instincts. And when they told me that she was palliative at best, we should have said, thank you so much. Bye. That's what we should have said. Yeah. Because, you know, they're telling you they can't help you. Um, I mean, and then they're going to tell you what you have to do at the same time. 
Right. But instead of saying, we love you so much, we're here for you for pain management or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, that we can do to make her comfortable, but we can't really do anything. They didn't say that. So for me now, 12 years later, I feel like going back now and saying, hey, what about that Hippocratic Oath? Isn't there one of those? What is, wasn't there this thing that you're supposed to not, like, first do no harm? So if you can't make a situation better, you're supposed to just say, there's nothing we can do here. And then the next thing that you're supposed to do is just help me reconcile that, really. Because it is shocking, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And in that red-hot minute, they chose not to do that. And instead, they chose to put her through what I call, I wrote a book about our story. I'll let you guys read the book because it's it's not, I mean, first of all, you need to read it in context. Nothing I can say is, is it, we can't even talk about it. In I got you. I understand time, that. But I'm just like, read the book and read the details if you want to. I don't need to relive it over and over again anyway. But, I mean, the long and the short of it is that an ir- uh, like a responsible professional should have held me in their arms maybe and said, look, I'm so sorry. We can't fix this. And that's it. You know, connect us with hospice or something. That's what that's supposed to be for. But they didn't do that. Instead, they had us meet with the surgeon. They had us go through chemo, five rounds. I mean, it's crazy. Like, if you if you know the, the human torture therapy that we operated in, do you know, Jack, do you know that in the first 30 days, they cashed out her $3 million maximum lifetime policy? In the which first is, which you got you to have some suspect that there was, that's what they did intentionally. I right? mean, we, we did not know what was, we were assaulted so hard and so fast that I would equate it to the lion and the gazelle. Okay. We were, first of all, you got a child that one second is brilliant, articulate, gorgeous. You don't think anything's wrong. She tells you she has a headache. All of a sudden, she's having trouble breathing out of her nose. The next Mm. thing you know, like I'm talking about, this is within seven to ten days, okay? All of a sudden, she can't breathe out of her nose. We go to the doctor. He sends us to the emergency room where they do a CAT scan on a two-year-old, which is not even a thing. Like, that is not protocol to do a CAT scan on a two-year-old. But our pediatrician was really aggressive and was like, I need to see what's going on. And her head was full of tumor. Her entire sphenoid bone had been eaten up by this tumor. And at that moment, they should have just said, oh, my goodness, like, that sphenoid bone is what develops into your sinuses later. It's a, it's an integral, I mean, it's an imperative structural piece in your head. You can't live without it, okay? You just cannot. And if the tumor ate it all, that means you, that is not a good thing. That is not good. Cause you can't go in somebody's head and rebuild this sphenoid bone, okay? It's not like putting a rod in your leg. So that, That's the moment that they should have just said, you know, go love your child. 
just enjoy her as long as you have her or whatever. Yeah. But we just really can't do anything. Like, that's really what they should have done. That would have been the professional responsible thing. Instead, they put us through human torture therapy. They pursued, uh, they tried to uh, create a case against us to take custody of all our children and say that we were irresponsible parents because we wanted to refuse chemo after five rounds to go home and just do something holistic because what they were doing wasn't working. And do you know, we changed her diet. We brought her home and in five months she, we had turned, we had killed the tumor. It was necrotic and it might've died in 10 days. It might've died in seven days. We don't know, but we didn't test it, you know, for four to five months. So we didn't know until we tested it that it had died. But, um, you know, my daughter taught me how much grace nature has. She taught me how much power our body has to regenerate. She taught me how important inputs are. You know, what you put in your mouth matters. And she taught me that, you know, um, we have a powerful life force that's flowing to us and through us. And she taught me never to fear nature. Never. Never fear nature. Honor it. So I, I'm, I'm guessing that this is some of what you're talking about when you say that we are literally being held hostage by medical institutions. Correct. Yep. We are. I mean, it's the training. It's the, it's the training. We've been very well trained to comply. Yeah. You know. I mean, I, they they use things like the white coat as a symbol of authority, and it, it definitely works on people. And I think that one of the one of the weird things is you would think that the older a person was, the more they would resist the authority of someone just on their name or their title. Right. But my experience has been that there is no more compliant demographic with the medical establishment than the elderly. And the only conclusion that I can come to is it is training, and I've talked about that a lot, and training and teaching are different. Training is to condition an organism so that it cannot respond differently to a stimulus than what you want it to do. That's training. I can train a person, I can train a dog, I can train a slime mold, right? Mm -hmm. I can train any living entity with enough conditioning. And so the only conclusion I can come to is the reason that demographic is so compliant is they've been in the system of training longer. Correct. Correct. I mean, absolutely. And, you know, it took a long time for me to get that because I'm like, you know, my mom is like, why are you fighting with the doctors? And I'm like, oh, who God. are you? Like you would have, yeah. she would have killed somebody if they tried to do something to me, you know, when, when she was raising me. And I looked at her, I said, I'm not doing anything different than what you would be doing. You were always advocating for us when we were growing up. You know, you didn't just take a doctor's word and do anything he said, because, you know, my, I, we come from a family of doctors. They're just people. You know? and, and they are wrong at times. And it's like we've gotten to a point where we treat them as though they're infallible. And I think that's dangerous in any profession. When you start treating any profession as though it's infallible, as though it has you know, a, a level of almost religious-like authority. 
-hmm. You can't expect anything other than atrocities to come out the other end. And I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's teachers, lawyers, doctors. I don't care meat cutters. I don't care what it is. When you, when you take any demographic, employment-based demographic, and consider it infallible, it will result in atrocity. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, I mean, that's really, um, yeah, that's. That's it, 100%. And, you know, I didn't realize how trained we were, and I didn't have these words. Mm. You know, these things that I'm saying now, 12 years later, I, I was not able to say that. I mean, you know, our daughter, obviously, I just told you that her entire sphenoid bone was gone. She was not going to survive this, okay? So, yes, we stopped the cancer. Yes, we extended her life for a year just because of regenerative meat, okay? But, yeah, we did lose her. You know, we were going to lose her. Besides that, she had been poisoned with five rounds of toxic chemo mm. because we were listening to the institutions that we were trained to, to obey. You know, we were trained to, sorry? You trained, we were trained to obey them. Yes. We obey. weren't just trained to listen to them. That's one thing. Right. I'll listen to anybody. If you've, if you've spent the amount of time that it takes to become a doctor uh, and the amount of study and the amount of work, I will listen to what you have to say. But I'm not going to obey you. Correct. Right? Well, In the you're end... You're supposed to right now. That's the uh, thing. Yeah, it ain't happening. I, I, I think that... I think that, like, you'll probably find the demographic that's the least compliant here is the entrepreneur. Because the entrepreneur learns really quickly, like... No matter what I ask my lawyers, they're going to tell me not to do it. <laughs> right? I mean, like, anything. What well, can I do? Well, I wouldn't do it. Because what their job is to do is keep you from being sued. So if they had their way, I would do absolutely nothing. If the epidemiologists of the world had their way, we would stay on quarantine forever, for every disease. Right? So, like, right. as an entrepreneur, you have to get to a point where, like, I've, I, I don't need you to tell me not to do it. I need you to tell me the best way to do it. And then if they tell you no, I will get a new lawyer. Right, and right. I think that's how you have to handle doctors the same way. Like, right. you, you, you need to tell me my best course of action, and if you can't give me one, then I will get a new doctor. Well, you're talking as a successful business person because I've talked to plenty of them who, who are 1 million percent compliant. Sure. You know, in the meantime, I'm training people to be rogue. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I don't even – I've been doing it for so long at this point that now I, didn't, I don't even know how to follow the rules at all. And sometimes when I'm saying things, I don't realize how difficult it is for someone to receive that because they're so, you know, they're so in the rules and I'm so far away from it. It's like, oh, 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 you're still following rules. Oh, wait a minute. I think we what have the same people, outlook. We just, like, just, I don't even look the rules up anymore. I don't care what the rules are. I think we have the exact same outlook. We just use a different dominant word. You use rogue and I use feral. And I think we're saying the oh, exact yeah. same thing. Like, like humans are, are supposed to be feral. I, I say all the time, people get pissed off at me, like, you should be a pig. And because like, it sounds it sounds awful, like we've been conditionally to call somebody a pig means they're you know, a glutton and they roll around in mud or whatever. I'm like, no, you should be a pig, not a cow. Like, freaking cows almost never go feral. Like, you can open the fence and the cow goes and eats the, the, the place it's not supposed to eat, but it, it generally just kind of wanders around and comes back. You leave a gap an eighth of an inch bigger than a pig needs to get through a fence, 
And it's freaking gone, baby. It's done. It's done. In one generation, it starts to look like a wild pig again. Like its yeah. next generation starts to get darker colors. And, and, and in two generations, it looks like a Russian boar. Right, even and if it starts out as a generation, they're they're already remediated off of GMOs. They're they're pretty smart and fast. Yep, because they are, they know what they are. They haven't been domesticated anywhere near to the level that cattle have, and I I don't know the you know exact reason why. I don't know if it's just in their nature. I don't know if we've we've domesticated them for less time. I don't know if we started with different. But one way or another, there are not five million feral cattle in Texas. <laughs> But there are at least five million feral pigs, and that's how human beings should behave, you know, um, right. in our natural state. But but kind of thinking that way in our natural state, one of the things you have in your note is what you call the body electric. What is the body electric? So our body is an electrical conduit. We have electrical energy flowing to and through us at all times. And um, I think that any acupuncturist would probably understand this or a chiropractor understands this, but acupuncturists probably understand a little bit better because they're working with your, um, you know, six battery packs. Um, you have six battery packs in the body. Um, and <clears throat> when we are experienced, like, you know, you know, you probably have heard, anybody who's trying to find health right now, They've probably heard um, someone say, well, you need to alkalize. You need to alkalize. Mm. So what does that mean in electrical terms? You know, uh, when you look at al alkalinity um, or pH, pH, uh, when you're looking at it, um, it is an acid-base measure. But pH in fluid is measured in voltage. And I don't think a lot of people know that. Um, and our bodies are 99% fluid. So when we're trying to alkalize, it's referring to our voltage, not our acid-base balance. And the orthodox medical realm is based on chemistry and not on quantum physics, which is what electricity, what it would mean to, to maintain and treat our health, um, you know, based on electrical voltage. And that's been the orthodox training because in 1910, in 1910 was a pivotal year. 1910 was when John D. Rockefeller and Andrew Carnegie became the major investors in pharmaceutical medicine. Now, John D. Rockefeller was a snake oil salesman. And these guys, when they made this investment, they wanted to make sure to monopolize, um, you know, the landscape to their benefit. And they wrote this document. It's called the Flexner Report. And they filed it with the Congress in 1910. People can look it up. And this document affected, and it effectively created and centralized several institutions, which includes and is not limited to our 
you know, agricultural and, you know, institutions our governmental institutions and our medical um, institution. You know, uh, what they did was they said anybody who is practicing medicine and acknowledging that the body has energy should not receive any federal funding. Mm. And then they said, we, you know, we, we want to establish a, a higher standard. We want to establish a standard of care so that every, all Americans can have the best medical care. And so we need to establish these standards. And they created this little group of people that are supposed to be in charge of, of this standard of care. It's very few people. They're not government people. This is not our government. This is some private cadre of investors. Which I'll just say, if they had no freaking power, I wouldn't give a shit. Right. I'd be, if, you, if you wanted to make your case and you had to do it in the open free market, fine. I, I, when I say I'm an anarchist, I'm an anarchist all the time, not just when it's convenient for me. But when you combine private with power right. and force, now I got a problem. Correct. You know? Correct. I mean, everything, I mean, I haven't been listening to you very long. I discovered you because of Nicole. And, I mean, every day I'm just like, I love this guy. <laughs> this is, where, why did I not ever hear about this guy ever before? What, what have I been doing? You know? But, yeah, absolutely. I didn't even know that I liked anarchism. Or I, you know, Sal and Nicole taught me about agorism. I was like, oh, my God, this is so great. I was liberated that day. <laughs> Like, this is fantastic. Now I'm not a black sheep. I'm just an agorist. Deal with it. There's other people like me. We're, we are, we do have a structure. I mean, because I'm pretty anal and very structured, quite disciplined, you know, because I don't believe that you can have freedom without discipline. But, you know, and I'm, I'm like you always are saying, you know, you know, I, I'm not trying to be in club fed, all right? And I'm not trying to go out there and kill everybody or make them. I'm not trying to impose myself on people. You know, when I was growing up, Jack, you know, I didn't like the people who were on a playground. I just went over to the other side of the playground or I went to another playground. And I would invite friends to come with me to my playground if they wanted to play with me. And sometimes they did and sometimes they didn't. And it's okay. Everybody got to choose, right? Yeah. But. I wasn't trying to go over there and say, you need to run this playground like this. I was just like, oh, y'all are doing this. You're playing hide and go seek. Okay, I don't want to. I'm going to go this way. Does anybody want to go play Red Rover? I'm going this way. And that was pretty much it, right? Like it was, not, there was no reason to offend or hate or fight or there was no emotional, you know, chaos and confusion going on. Yeah, I mean, this isn't really directly on the subject we're on today, but I'll tell you my, my view of why we've lost that is because they lose. If, if, it's an, if, it's, if it's a battle of ideas and it's a battle of results, the people that seek to control others lose. Correct. So if they let you leave and do your own thing, they lose. They can't win, so they seek to use force by proxy to prevent you under the guise of it's for your own good. 
And that does bring us back to this, because in the medical community, that's so much. Like, I don't want to derail this into COVID either, but, I mean, the only reason people are tolerating this shit today is because of this mental conditioning that's been going on for years. I've said before, but my grandfather, I remember him in, like, the 1980s yelling at guys walking down the street, what are you doing with a cane? I'm 30 years older than you. What's wrong with you? Get your ass walking, right? Like, if he was around today, he would be, he would literally... He'd be a 90-year-old coal miner with, with pieces of coal in his arm beating the shit out of politicians. He would not be able to Correct. accept this if you got that version of him. Now, I think had Correct. he been born later in life and he had been through this, I don't know if he would have been that person. But, you know, the guy that served in the Navy for the entirety about of World War II was right. not about to be told where when he could go get a damn beer. I mean, well, as soon as they would have closed Lazarchik's Cafe, there would have right. been... 50 coal miners on the way to D.C. or Harrisburg, pulling them out of the clown house, floating them down the Susquehanna River. Like, that would just not, I'm telling you, 1985, this couldn't happen. Yes. No, I know. I mean, listen, the conditioning started post-World War II, okay? Yeah. yeah. Like, they were, they were designing it and structuring it and playing the, this is for Americans to have the best health and, you know, whatever crap. And then, post-World War II, you know... Uh, or during World War II, when the men were away, when all the men were away, you know, we didn't have all this woke crap right now. I mean, back then, you were a man or you were a mouse, and you did not, you understood what that meant. I don't know any man that was a mouse that was, or at least not trying to let anybody know he was a mouse, you know, back then. And when the men were away, the women were put to work, and this was part of a plan, you know, like the wars are all, I mean, I think that your audience knows that those wars were conspiracies from the wealthy. Like, wealthy people created a situation to leverage more wealth. Yeah, I mean, I've always looked at it this way as a, an anti-war person. People always bring up World War II as an example of the just war that had to happen. And I always say, go explain to me how we get World War I, World War II without World War One, and I'm not talking about the number. Correct. I'm talking about the occurrence. If we, if we would have called it, you know, the, the, the great European conflict and the greater world conflict, if it would have been called that, how do you get to the second one without the first one? And no one with a modicum of an understanding of history. I mean, the most basic understanding of history has an answer. Because, he, I don't know if you know this, there isn't one. right? There, there is no World War II without World War I. You can't get there. And World War I was ridiculous. Right. It was ridiculous. And what ended World War I wasn't victory. What ended World War I is they literally pushed it to the point of the soldiers weren't going to fight and the people weren't going to support it anymore. Like, they completely wound it out to where both sides were like, well, screw it. Let's, let, yeah, let's, 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 let's surrender. Yeah. I'd rather enough. surrender than keep doing this. There's no benefit to this. Enough is enough. I mean, I think that's where we're heading right now. Like, people, so, you know, folks aren't going to like what I have to say about this. Um, also, I don't care. You know, I don't, I don't care. But, you know, I, I, you know, I always tell everybody, well, you don't have to agree with me, but prove me wrong so I can know what I, where I went wrong. I'm, I'm completely okay admitting that I'm wrong about anything. 
I mean, I I have an open mind, and I want to do better and know better, and I will. If you tell me, show me that what I'm saying is not true. But I'm going to tell you that World War One started because of this 1910 um, document. The Flexner Report is the reason for most of all of this centralized chaos, which includes the world wars. There was no reason ever. There's never. There's no war that has has happened that we needed ever to have. Never. There was. There's and also there's no war that's ever happened that had a result that was worth having either. I Come on, you mean you mean the entire world didn't go to war over the assassination of some obscure archduke? That's not what you mean. They, Mr. Larson, lied to me in history class. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> I'm homeschooling my kids, Jackson. <laughs> I'm, I'm, we just totally don't do history, except for to talk about all the ways that anybody can say anything and call it history, and then you have to decide if it really happened or not. Because they just now, supposedly, they don't even teach the Holocaust, you know, in school. I mean, my kids are not in public school, so... They, they are aware of the Holocaust. But like, and I'm not saying things like those, like those things didn't, I, I think, I think the more important piece is what was happening? Why was it happening? What was the planned part? And you know, right now there's this big debate over 9-11. I'll just use 9-11 as an example real quick. I don't want to get too far into that, but I'm using it as an example because there are people that are, are, are like that know that There's no physics explanation for how that happened. And yes, people died. No, I'm not saying that a lot of lives weren't lost. No, I'm not even saying it wasn't a horrible thing, okay? What I'm saying is that it was, there was more to it. Mm. And there's always this uh, inspired creation I mean, it is a conspiracy theory, Jack. I don't know what else to call it. It's yeah. not a theory. It is a conspiracy. It was. A, it's a conspiracy fact because it did. People with money conspired to create a situation to affect a result, which is what happened. Well, let's look at it this way with, with 9-11, because people go, get really polarized over this. Let's say. The, the, that the story you're told is exactly what happened. I don't believe that, but let's say that it is. This doesn't change the conspiracy fact, right? Because what you just said is the important thing. People with money created a situation in which inevitably there would be a result, something like this. It didn't matter what it was. Right. The response to what happened is the actual thing. The lives of Americans are not better for the response to 9-11 Period. The freedoms of America have been compromised due to the response to 9-11. Period. Infinity. The government right. has grown and gotten more powerful due to the response. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't even yeah. matter if what you believe is true, if you're a true believer in the basic mainline story. 
it doesn't matter. The argument is still the same. You could say right. the same thing with COVID. It does, right. you know, everybody's like, Correct. oh shit, it really did come from a laboratory. Well, we told you that a year ago and we were, right. we were nuts, but it doesn't, <laughs> if it came from a laboratory we, we or a mandatory vaccination was an agenda 12 years ago. Okay. Co correct. Or, or longer ago, a hundred years ago. We knew it. We knew it was, it was a, an agenda that someone wanted to make medical decisions for you. Yep. That's. Yep. And if COVID came from a lab in Wuhan or a monkey that climbed up an elephant's ass and ate a rotten banana, the results of it and how it's been used and how it's truly been weaponized are the same. Yes. It doesn't matter. Like, and, and people have a real hard time with that on both sides of the issue because even people who we would consider like on our side or whatever, they get wrapped up in, we'll see now everything. Like, everything that I've claimed is true because this thing is true. That's also logically fallacious, right? Like, you right. you can't, like, when, when, when Epstein went down and people were talking about Pizzagate and all this shit, and it's like, see, that proves Pizzagate. Well, may, maybe Pizzagate's true, but Epstein being a perv that preyed on teenage girls does not prove that little boys were traded for pizza in D.C., Those are, I'm sorry, no, you can't, Correct. like, stand on that soapbox and say, see, I've been proven right. Like, you have this thing that we now know. And, you know, it seems like with, with, with COVID that, like, even the left-wing lunatic media is going, oh, shit, really? <laughs> no, no, really? I have to read this now? It's yeah. from the AP. Fuck, I guess it's true, right? Like, okay. <laughs> uh, looks like it did come from Wuhan. Shit, we were wrong. But they'll never say we were wrong, right? But, like, this is all part of, like, I consider this massive psyop. You can't be wrong. Okay, look, you're not allowed to be wrong. Yeah. You're not allowed. I mean, you know, there's always. So they're so busy. This That's the chaos, right? The chaos yeah. is who's right? Who cares? <laughs> blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I don't care. What I know is they wanted to test the fear. Yeah. They wanted to test. The infiltrative power. They wanted to test how they could influence and, and control our ability to travel. And, uh, mission accomplished. Well, and I would say if there hadn't been a COVID, they were so far into wanting this, they would have drummed up some seasonal flu within the next five, within the next five to eight years anyway. Like, even if it hadn't been anything out of the norm, they would have... Because they already tried it, right? 2012, like, I remember that. Like, people were freaking out. I remember I uh, I went out to my... I was still... It was Maybe it wasn't 2012. It was somewhere back in when I started TSP, and I was still going to the office. So maybe it was 2009, there was a swine flu that people were freaked out about. Oh, I remember now what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. like, they were just totally yeah. losing their minds over it. So I had gone out that morning to my garden, and it was early in the spring, and here anyway, it was winter everywhere else, and I picked some snow peas, and I, this is going to make sense in a second, I threw them in the cup holder in my car, and I stopped at Starbucks, and I had just grabbed a couple of them like a snack and ate them on the way in, and one of them was kind of stringy, and it got in my throat, so I, just as I walked through the door, I kind of coughed because of these <laughs> pea strings in my throat, and this is 2009 now, like, I'm sure of yeah. it now, right, people yeah. looked at me, like I was going to kill everybody. <laughs> oh my God, he's sick. He's, yeah, he's going to, we're going to die. It's like, shut he's, you know, he's, he's the human bomb. And your vaccine, your vac, my vaccine only works if you get one too. 
Oh, hey, whatever. You know what? <laughs> um, I'm going to tell you what. Uh, I was never allowed to tell you how to live your life. I could never tell you that, you know, um, you need I mean, I wasn't allowed to tell you to stop smoking. Yeah. You don't care what I'm saying. I mean, you know, like, when you stop smoking, I'll start caring, I guess, maybe. maybe. But no, I'm not, actually. No, I'm not. It's not my job to care more about you than you. Yeah, don't it's push not. your mask up and shove your egg McMuffin down your throat and tell me I'm, I'm risking your health. Right, whatever. Right. You know, you're as long as you're eating Cheerios and all this crap out of the store, <laughs> and I'm not, yeah. I don't care yeah. what you're doing. If you are, If you don't know how to cook, you don't know how to take real food and put it in your mouth and you are living on pop tarts and whatever. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're living in a cracker jack box, I guess you need to be afraid, I guess. But like, you know, Jack, I was raised to live or die trying. What about you? Yeah. I, yeah. I, was I wasn't raised very well, trying. but like I think actually not being raised well made me who I am in that I I, you haven't listened to that long, so you don't know my history, but I got my first place to live on my own a week before I turned 16. And I have been on my own since I was 16 years old. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you're that person, you have a hard time listening to somebody's sob shit story <laughs> because, like, yep. you either, you know, kept your grades up so the police didn't abduct you. And say that you needed to be taken for your own your own safety, and kept your job going, and paid your rent, and bought your food, right. or you failed. There was no plan B. There was you had to make do with what you had, and so it's kind of the same thing you're saying. It wasn't really that I was raised that way. It's a that's how well, life. What I've said recently is life is a teacher, but some people yeah. are slow learners, right? Like. But if, but but, but well, if not you, when you're on your own that early. I was on my own since I was 17. Yeah. And so I I understand exactly what you're saying. And I was a female, and I was a foreign female with a southern accent. Very confusing for people. Mm. Very confusing. That makes you really racist, by the way. That makes you. <laughs> that is just. That is. That makes you more racist than a white male. Just so you know. <laughs> Try to, try to rope it back into some of the topic here, um, which it does not have a problem. I, I'm, I'm enjoying the hell out of this anyway. But when we talk about medical care, what about accidents, right? Like, to me, that is the place where modern medicine has some value. Like, I've always said, like, if I have a chronic problem, leave me alone. If I get in an accident and I have a yield sign sticking in my spleen, I'd like to go to the hospital and have a good trauma surgeon. Like, so where are your thoughts on, on that world? Yeah. Okay, so that's the thing. I come from a family of doctors, right? So I've always known that allopathic medicine, which is what is American Western medicine or whatever they're calling, modern medicine or something, that's allopathic medicine. They're great at putting you back together mm -hmm. and taking you apart. Like, you know, they'll cut everything out of you and they'll put you back together. And they're very good at that. And that's about it. Like, that is the only thing they're really good at. Um, as soon as they put you back together, run. And do not walk yeah. out of there. Yeah, get out of and, the hospital. You know, go bury yourself in the soil and the earth will heal you the rest of the way. But, you know, yeah, I agree. So, you know, have a savings account. What is it that you guys say? Um, I love, you know, you have like this risk fund, risk. Life, emer uh, life emergency fund. Yeah, the life emergency fund. I mean, instead of paying monthly to some insurance company 
who is going to make your medical decisions for you. Uh, no, thank you. I don't, I don't need you to do that. How about I just put it in my own account or collect, buy some gold and silver or something, whatever you got to do. Buy some, buy something precious and, and hold it as your, as your, uh, insurance. And then when you, if you are in a situation that you need to resolve financially, I mean, it's a financial problem at that point, right? Yeah. It's just a matter of money. Mm-hmm. So yeah, then go get, let them, let them tape you back together, whatever they're going to do. And, you know, pay them because you got, I mean, if you really do the math on, you know, how much, I mean, we found out once our, our daughter died, right? My husband, the, 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 she died. Let, let me take you back for one second. 2009, September. She dies September 13th. My husband just happened to be in between jobs. He lost his job like a week before she died. And he had another job that he was going to start a week after she died. I mean, talk about divine intervention. Okay. Like allowed him to be with us, be with her. Uh, we were together, you know, as a family when all that was going on. But when he took the new job, when he went to work, he had to do the new hire paperwork. And when he did, who knows what he filled out? We don't know. Do you know for the first eight years he was with this new company, we were paying a thousand dollars for our family every month to be insured through his company. And we didn't realize that we're being screwed a thousand dollars a month in health insurance that we were never going to use and that we weren't using because we were not going to ever go trust a doctor again. I mean, I think about how much money that was over those eight years. It's, it makes me really sick, actually. You know, I could have, we could have paid down our house or we could just have owned some. Instead, we were just financially ruined, right? Like after she died. But anyway, I'm saying all of that to say that if we were all just taking responsibility, isn't this what you're talking about all the time anyway? Yeah. Yeah. Like if we're just taking responsibility for ourselves, then, you know, I'm not like, I'm not for prepping by myself. Like I'm more of like, I want to be part of a village. I mean, I've created this food church community over here because I want to be immersed with a like-minded community. And turns out it's kind of like a freedom cell, a larger collection. Like I've actually now started thinking like John, where I'm creating these mini freedom cells within the CSA, you know, but, um, but anyway, going back to this, medical accident thing like if i have this fund if i took all that money and i just invested it and knew i had the ability to pay in the event of a car accident all all of us end up in a car accident together and we all need medical attention the only thing that we really need is is money to for the doctors to be able to put us back together and then for us to get out so that we can get back to our chiropractors or our holistic physicians or whatever and our food you know Well, and I'll tell you, like, to me, there's another part of this people don't seem to understand with insurance. Insurance creates a cash cow. Cash cows create inflated prices. The insurance company is not paying the same price for the service or the medication that the individual is, um, yet they are inflating the price. Mm -hmm. So you want to see insulin not be $1,000 a month or whatever? Take away insurance altogether. Correct. And people think, oh, my God, they would just, no, they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't. When they had all those big machines running and they had no revenue, 
Right. What do you do when you have a surplus of a commodity and no revenue against it? You you lower the price. I know that's shocking. I mean, we look like <laughs> we we you know when you have people with economics degrees. Yeah. Shocking. That, that, that are people like AOC, and I'm not political, so I'm not trying. I'm just saying, literally, when it comes to economics, this woman is brain dead. I don't care about any of her politics, anything else. Economics degree from a top institution cannot figure out how two dimes go together to make 20 cents. <laughs> and so you have to explain economics, I mean, far more than you would think you would to people. But when you don't have this guaranteed source of revenue for corporations, Then markets market, they lower prices. You could, what, what's destroyed the medical care system is insurance. Correct. I, I loved it before they fixed it. It worked pretty good. Yeah. You know, for my family of three, I think I was spending about 280 bucks a month in insurance for basic catastrophic care, which now that they fixed it is basically what I have for two people that we pay $1,200 a month for. Right? right. But they don't call it catastrophic, you know, like, And what we have is this system where, like, if you compared health insurance as far as what people expect to car insurance, people want car insurance for $150 a month that covers oil changes and fill-ups. <laughs> right. That's what they want. They want to yeah. be able to fill their tank, get their oil changed, have their car detailed once every 90 days, and pay a $25 copay. And they want that for $150 a month. Right. That's not, how does car insurance work? Car insurance works like all taking care of your car and stuff is your problem. Putting fuel in your car, your problem. Oil changes, your problem. And if you get in a wreck, we'll fix it. Maybe. Maybe. After we, right? after we make an assessment. After yeah. we make an assessment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I that's mean, how all insurance except health is expected to work. Right. But our medical um, mafia... Is um, you know, I mean, it is, it's serious. It is the most regulated industry in our country, and you know, you're not allowed to talk about the body being electrical. That was what I was going to say. Is that the 1910 Flexner report stated any physician who claims the body has energy, um is effectively not only supposed to not be funded, but they are de facto breaking the law because of the standard of care that they established. So de facto, meaning it is not a, a de jure law. It's not a real law. It is an assumed de facto law that you must um, comply, but it's, it's, It's part of your license. Like, you're agreeing. When you're asking for permission to practice medicine. Yeah. And you're permitted license. If you're doing anything, like, the reason, you know, I'm actually coaching as a nutrition coach, a dietitian, whatever you want to call it. I'm a, I'm a meat coach, okay, for your health. I am not licensed, nor will I ever be. I refuse to ask permission to teach you how to do something that you should just be able to norm, know how to do. I'm just, you know, if you if I work with people, I'm trying to get them to learn how to get back to the laws of the universe, back to the law of nature and honoring it. And and that is not going to fall under standard of care. And if I'm not, if I want to go, if I go get licensed right now, number one, they're not going to teach me 
anything about nutrition. It's a psychological program. <laughs> it's a psychology program. And guess what? I'm already an industrial psych major. That was my major. Hence the ability that I have to be able to train you to change your habits, okay? But that is what the programs are. They're not literally teaching them how to, uh, like, what is required by the cell for you to gain health. How do you use food? I mean, and even for that matter, uh, you know, naturopaths and holistic physicians, they don't know how to do it except for by using um, chemistry, you know, nutraceuticals. They don't know how to just do it with the food. Yeah, I've always said it's what I, I call it replacement therapy. Correct. I, I think that it's great that you know that white willow bark is uh, an anti-inflammatory and that you can say if you have an acre of pain, you can use a white willow bark extract instead of an aspirin. I think that's a great piece of knowledge to have. But in the end, it doesn't answer the question, why do you have inflammation? Now, now if you have inflammation because you stepped on a weird-shaped rock and right. twisted your ankle, then if you're eating well, first of all, it's going to heal fairly fast anyway, but... Knowing to use something like willow bark and maybe comfrey as a compress is probably a good thing. But now we're dealing, we're back to almost like the, uh, the allopathic medicine thing. We're dealing with an acute injury, Correct. right? If you have pain every day, turmeric and black pepper extract may re reduce that inflammation. But why do you have the inflammation? Right. You can't keep and it Twinkies and taking turmeric and black pepper, okay? And it's crazy yeah. talk to ask the question, <laughs> why do you have the inflammation? Right. And the well, way I look at it with allowed to. Yeah. The way yeah. I look at it with food is, let's say there's no grocery stores. Let's say there's no farmers. Let's say there's just the woods. How would you eat? Cuz that just might be the way that humans live for the vast majority of our existence <laughs> on the planet. Right? And then maybe that's how we should eat because maybe we evolved to eat the way we had to eat for hundreds of thousands of years. I'm just saying that seems like a, a valid working scientific anthropological theory to me. It just does. Like common <laughs> sense. So then I don't hate, I love farmers. I'm a farmer. So then I don't think we not, have to not have a, what I would call, and it's not, and I know you're in the same boat. Like I'm not talking about what they have, but I'm not saying we shouldn't have a modern food system where I don't have to kill a deer every time I want a piece of protein. I'm not <laughs> saying we shouldn't have that, but I'm saying that maybe we should model that system mm -hmm. on the system that we came from and evolved from, which I know that sounds absolutely, totally freaking insane, but it just <laughs> seems like it makes more sense than a can of Pringles potato chips. Logic. Right, you know. Now I'm thinking of Sal, right? <laughs> have you have you ever heard of a, a comedian called Larry the Cable Guy? Yes. This is a little foul, but I'm going to do it anyway, even though I got a lady on the line. He said of Pringles potato chips, chips, the reason they come in a tube is so you have something to poop into after you eat them. Oh, like that's sure. how bad they are, you know. Or was it Zach, wow. Zach Gariff again? He was like, you know, hot pockets guy. He's like, you know, oh, that's right. what I was always thinking. I would. I, I, I've always thought I need a Pop-Tart with some nasty meat in it. Like, the, the modern food that we eat, if you want to call it food, like, I love that you said it's not food. Like, it's, it, it's, it, it, it needs to be considered toxic because it doesn't, it actually doesn't make sense that it wouldn't be toxic. Does that make sense? Like, there's no way you could look at it and think, oh, gee, that's fine. 
No. I mean, in my book, I call it poison. I mean, I have a food grading scale, like a regenerative farm food grading scale, like a report card in my yeah. book. And it says, like, you know, it goes from A through F. It's a schoolhouse, you know, grading scale, A through F. Schoolhouse rock. Um, I'm there. Okay. Yeah, like how to grade a farm so that you know if they're A through F. And then I say, but an F is still food. It's still good. Oh, okay. Anything below that <laughs> is in a store. And if it's if it's in a store, my book's also hashtag get out of the grocery store. Okay. Hashtag get out of the grocery store. Because if it's in a grocery store, it has to meet health code. Mm. If it has to meet health code, I mean, you're a farmer. You were raising ducks. I mean, if you're raising duck eggs to sell in a market, you're supposed to wash them in a chlorine wash. Yeah, that ain't me, happening. To me, that to ain't. Yeah, no, well, that's I'm not just saying you're, yeah. that's, that's yeah. what they want you to do to sure make they food. Do. Yeah. Even if you go to a farmer's market or if you're selling to a restaurant, supposedly that's what you're supposed to do. Now, if you're friends with the chef, he wants your eggs, you guys have an understanding. But, I mean, if he's going to have a health inspector come in, then... You know, ducks, duck eggs are poopy. We are actually not required in my state oh. to wash eggs. We wow. are required to ensure that once collected, there's a certain amount of time before they're kept refrigerated. We are not required to wash eggs. We must disclose it. And oh. part, not the only reason, but part of why I'm in the duck egg business is duck eggs are in a no man's land in Texas. There's wow. literally, like, since they wrote the regulation for chickens, <laughs> there isn't any. Nice. And it's like, they only get to meet in session. Our, our legislature gets to meet in session once every two years for, like, one month. Right. So. They're not thinking about your duck eggs. They don't have time to worry about the <laughs> duck egg industry, right? They're, they're too busy <laughs> screwing other things up. And i got to give them a pat on the back. Looks like this time they use some of their time to give us constitutional carry and give us our, our right to protect ourselves fully back, to a degree anyway. So I'll give them a little tiny pat on the back. But, yeah, we live in this, like, <laughs> I, I live, I love this. I, I'm in a business that, that the product is in nowhere, and I live nice. in I live in nowhere. I love it. I live I in nowhere. It. I'm unincorporated, so there's no city, there's no town, there's no township. I, I don't I like I have no, I don't even have building codes where I live. I live two miles from a Karen esque HOA infiltrated massive subdivision <laughs> and I do not even have a building code here. Mr. Nobody. <laughs> Mr. Nobody. I, 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 I wanna call it Jackistan. I really do. I, well, oh I, you can. I can, but I will anybody care, I'm not sure. Um That's fun. That's ha awesome. What are your thoughts on like Vision and dental. Like, whenever you, you look at a job <laughs> application, we have vision and dental. Like, what about yeah. that side of medical care? You know, what's interesting is, when, as I've been coaching folks for the past 12 years, and I'm working with people who have very serious issues, for example, MS. I'm going to use MS as an example because it affects the vision. Mm -hmm. It affects, you know, um, well, what I, what I know to be true is that if you're not in great health, If you're not in the perfect shape and feeling as great as you want to be, then you're going to have vision and dental issues because your mouth reflects the metabolic dysfunction in your body. So, interestingly, if you remediate that, your teeth and your gums and, and your dental situations remediate as well. 
So, uh, and same for vision. You know, I, um, I'm, a, I'm a Meet RX coach, and that's not just because I'm trying to promote Sean Baker and Meet RX. It's the only, you know, I guess designation that I would uh, go by. But I am all about regenerative meat. I was coaching people to use meat to heal themselves for years before he even started Meet RX. Okay. But what I know is that if you're having vision problems, a lot of those problems can be remediated by rubbing tallow or lard into your eyes mm. and by not consuming grains and sugar. What? Yes. And we're not even talking about the poison. If you're eating off of a farm or you're eating what we what we were calling, you know, if cavemen didn't eat it, we don't need it. You know, if you're eating in some way that you know wh what soil it came out of, you know, the, you know, who raised it or, or you did it yourself. OK, like you took one of your own ducks. Right. Then. Um, interestingly, that that duck fat will reverse a lot of vision problems. But you can't have um, anti-nutrients in the mix, like the plants. Like if you're eating a whole bunch of plants, especially if you're, I mean, I'm talking about somebody mm -hmm. who is in a state of metabolic distress, meaning you're not, if you're just not in shape, you're in distress. But if you have like MS or you have cancer or you have diabetes or you have 101 other things that they call that's all a side effect of eating poison, you know, everything's a side effect of eating this poison. Amazingly, you can correct a lot of that. Now, you know, you're probably going to need some vision help for a while. But dental, it's amazing. When we changed our lifestyle and we started eating this way, do you know that the a lot of us have experienced, I don't know if you've experienced gum recession in your mouth? At one time, yes. Yeah. So I actually have been able to reverse it. Absolutely. With just animal fat. It's amazing. You know, upping my animal fat allowed me to reverse my gum recession. And I noticed that my jaw is, is, is reshaped. Everybody's like, you lost weight in your face. Or your face changed. It wasn't yeah. just that my lost. It wasn't just that I lost weight. My my jaw literally changed its shape. And um, you know, I'm not saying that I was, you know, some epitome of great health, or that I'm even perfect now. I mean, I was, I was programmed by the institutions just like everybody else. Okay, I mean, I I was a weedaholic also, but. Now that I've experienced all this stuff, it's like incredible. I can put raw milk in my eye and stop an infection. Did you know that? That is not one I've heard before. I'm not surprised by it due to the enzymic action in milk. One of the, the products I recommend for dog owners is uh, called Zymox, and um, it uses four different milk enzymes for wound treatment. And it works exceptionally well. And the reason I recommend that it is because it is highly backed by science. When you look up each one of these individual enzymes, they've all had their own studies done, clinical, you know, double-blind studies on wound care. And they have all shown that. So it doesn't, 
it's new to me, but I'm not surprised at all by it, knowing the enzymic activity that you're talking about there. Yeah, I mean, and the beneficial bacteria. Like, sure. everybody's villainizing bacteria and viruses. Well, my cells have receptors for those. That means that my cells are expecting them. So these things are actually updates for our body so that we can continue to adapt because we are adaptive creatures. And we're so powerfully made by God that we're able to do that through this infinite intelligent communication, you know, between nature and us. Because we're animals in nature. We're embedded in nature. I'm wondering if there's some I think it's I think it's microphages. I'm not I'm not totally up on this, but I know there's been yeah, Russia did a ton of stuff with with what's called I think phage therapy. Uh, mm -hmm. developing different macro and microphages to treat illnesses and diseases. And I'm wondering if that there's probably some of that involved with something like raw milk as well. I mean, just think about what it's designed to do, right? Think about the right. fact you have this little, little cow, and it has, if it's in nature, if it was a, a buffalo instead of a cow, it doesn't go to the veterinarian. It's going to walk around. It's going to get cuts and scrapes, right? It's going to get damaged physically. Uh, it's going to play with its fellow little buffaloes, and it's going to get poked, and it's going to get prodded, and it's going to have injuries. And it's going to have to keep up with the herd, or it is going to die. And its, its primary source of nutrient until it begins to graze and ruminate is what? Milk. And I don't know if you know this... There was when there was 50 million buffalo running around in North America. There was they, they didn't they didn't process the milk before the baby buffalo ate it, right or drank it. Like right, they didn't they right. didn't you know um, uh, they didn't do any of the you know heat treatment or anything like that. They just they just ate it right out of the little the, the mom's buffalo's tit. Like that's and somehow they and didn't die. So, so, did the, so did every other creature. Like, you know, that's the other thing. Like, people are like, we're not supposed to consume milk. Really? Because that's, have you ever been on a farm where yeah. there was a raw milk mama full of cat? If there was a mother on the farm providing nourishment. I mean, I don't care if it's a cow or a pig or whatever. Any, any mother providing nourishment. All the other beasts. In the, in the vicinity are trying to get some of that. Yeah, yeah. Like, People oh. say that, like, no animal consumes milk after it becomes, you know, an adult. You've never, you've never seen a lion kill a lactating uh, wildebeest then. Correct. Right, I mean, because they go straight to it. Straight right. to it. I mean, that's why the mothers needed the males to protect them. Hmm. Because they're nursing and everything in the world wants to come after that but you know now we're getting back into logic so on logic when you're trying to make a case for a way of life nothing proves things like evidence where you can show people the results where can people find evidence of success when following the type of lifestyle we're talking about i mean i mean i, I okay first if you're if you need to just look on the computer Then I would say go to MeetRx and uh, join the platform. It's free for the first 30 days all the time. And then there's like literally 
an, a video being uploaded there every moment of the day with testimony. And I think that the reason that in our, uh, you know, in, in, in our law and order system that we have created, you know, there's nothing more powerful than testimony. Um, so I think that the evidence is clear. Now, everybody wants this scientific evidence, but when it comes to health and nutrition, you know, all the science that you're going to read about is on every side of that based on, on the beneficiary. And there's almost no science uh, supporting the theory that I have about the lions and the tigers because there's no money to be made in that. And when I, I mean, I, I talk about health independence, but I also talk about food freedom. If you want food freedom and health independence, I think if no other audience can understand, Jack, I think your audience can understand the liberating feeling of knowing that the only medicine and the only thing that you really need to honor your body to be able to survive anything is nature. In any given situation. I mean, if you're dropped in the middle of nowhere, let's just go back to that for a second, right? You're yeah. dropped in the middle of nowhere. You're not going to die if you make sure that you provide yourself with some kind of input and you can kind of defend yourself against something that wants to eat you. It's pretty basic. Like, you know, it's not rocket science. And I don't know what scientists had to, like, when they're doing these, you know, naked and afraid shows or whatever they're coming up. I mean, I think it's interesting that they make these shows. But, like, you know, they don't do a scientific study of the chances of this guy surviving this. No. No. I mean, they got attorneys for that show. They let them do the show. It must be okay. Well, and so I've spent a lot of time in, in the woods, as, as you might imagine, over my life. And I can tell you, it would be, I'm not going to say impossible, but I'm going to say it would be highly unlikely to the point of impracticality that a person in... North America. Now, if you're in the tropics, there's a lot more fruits, right, that are year-round. In, yeah. in either the northern or southern hemisphere, when you get into the temperate climate and colder, to survive without meat is, I w I'm not going to say impossible because somebody will prove me wrong, right? You know, it's <laughs> almost impossible Correct. without the modern industrialized food system. It cannot be done. If I put you in the wilderness as a vegan, mm -hmm. you are about seven days from killing the shit out of something. Because it's <laughs> going to happen, right? Like When right. you actually get hungry, you're going to be like, gee, that mouse that ate the last peanut that I had looks pretty good. <laughs> right? I mean, like, hey, you know, right. hey yeah. he's, not, he's not that fast. I think I can hit him with a rock. And you're eating roast mouse on day eight. I'm telling you right now, it's going to happen. And I'm also saying this. If you put me, especially like you give me like the southeastern United States and the swamplands, yeah. I'm not going to be hungry. You, you give me some basic bushcrafting tools and drop me off in the swamps of North Florida, you come back, I probably won't even gone very far. You know, what are you, eating? What are you doing? 
picking yeah. frog legs out of my teeth. <laughs> I made a toothpick from this tree. Do you want to try it? <laughs> like, I mean, like, I mean, that's, but if, if I'm trying to survive on vegetation in that environment, right. I'm not going to say I can't do it, but I'm not going to be healthy. I am not going to be healthy. Now, I've, I've looked up Meat RX. I, I really didn't know about them very much. Um, very, very heavily into carnivore. Are you 100% carnivore, or is it like your predominant diet? Like, do you ever eat vegetables of any kind? Do you ever eat anything other than meat? Um, I will say that every time I try to eat something outside of meat, I have massive bone pain. Okay. So... I know if I'm going to... I'm Indian, okay? Did yeah. I say that a hundred times already? Yeah. Okay. For me to give up rice was a big, hard thing to do. understand. So if I'm ever going to cheat, I'm going to want one of my traditional dishes, like which would be a meat dish, like a curried meat dish, okay. on rice. Okay. Because I don't know how to eat it without the rice if it's curried meat, like... I know that I can do it, but I just don't know how to do it, which is the reason why I generally don't make that. Okay. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> but if and when I do, um, you know, like when some people I listen to, you know, who are doing keto or carnivore, they have their cheat days. Mm. First of all, I don't cheat. I don't, I don't either anymore. I don't, I don't, no. I don't cheat my, myself. Because I love myself a little too much, okay? So for me, a cheat means that I ate some rice. It's never going to mean that I ordered Domino's, okay? Or that I ate wheat or a Pop-Tart. If I'm going to cheat, I ate some rice. And so every time I do that, my body immediately screams at me. And is like, really? Hmm. Really? Are you going to do that again? Because I thought we established that's a bad idea. Do you think you would get that reaction if, you know, you ate some steak with sautéed peppers in it? Yeah, because I've tried. Okay. First okay. of all, I was, I, I was autoimmune protocol first. Okay. So peppers is probably a bad example. But let's use mushrooms. Mushrooms seem to be not really plant. You know, it's fungus. Yeah, they're in their own kingdom. Absolutely. They're in their own kingdom, and generally a lot of people can get away with it, the mushrooms. Yeah, I'm not giving up my chanterelles. I, I'm not going there. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm not doing it. You know what's interesting is I can enjoy mushrooms, Yeah. and I know that I started with autoimmune protocol and nightshades, but interestingly, I cannot enjoy sweet potatoes, but I can enjoy red skins or... Even a golden Yukon okay. or something. Um, or, you know, I can enjoy a little bit of potato. And when I say potato, I mean probably, you know, twice a month or something like that. I can get away with it. And, and like a couple eating. ounces, you know. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, I can enjoy a baked potato if okay. I come to visit you with a steak. Yeah, and you, you won't not, get I'm one not going to be in pain. <laughs> you won't I'm not, not going to be, I'm just saying I'm not going to be in pain. For I got me, you, I got you. For me, it's all about the pain, okay? Yeah. It's not about anything else. And, you know, I might not look like in the best shape to a lot of people or whatever, but, or whatever they think is the epitome of health, I don't, I don't really know. But, but 
for me, it's all about not being in pain and waking up every day like excited to get up because mental health and my ability to move without pain is is my only criteria gotcha. for what I'm going to allow myself to eat and for me to feel like I'm in robust health. Like I can get on the, I can squat to the ground and jump up and play and be happy. Now I'm not saying I'm going to win a race with, you know, against you or something like that. I'm not saying, you know, I am pretty slow by the way. You might win. I'm telling you, <laughs> I am. Yeah. I just mean that I'm yeah. slow for a white boy. I'm telling you, know, I mean <laughs> now distance, I don't run your ass into the ground on distance, but but sprints, like yeah, you, yeah, you you probably would beat me. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I'm just saying, what is my criteria? Mm -hmm. You know, for what I'm going to limit, because you know, I do believe that joy is a is a important. So when I'm eating, you know, I think it's or if I'm coaching somebody back to health, it's important that joy is part of that. If you're not joyfully basking and enjoying whatever it is that you're putting in your mouth, you're just not going to do it for any real amount of time. I agree. You know, so I, and also it's not good for your health because if I got to not eat something because only because if I eat that, it's going to kill me or something, you know, like how they put these heart patients on rice cakes or yeah, whatever. The yeah. They do. You know, like, Whatever I'm gonna, whatever I'm going to eat, or whatever I would encourage people to eat to gain health, you're going to have a lot of joy with that. So joy is important. It's probably more important than they allow you to believe when they want you to eat healthy. When people say I eat healthy, you know they're just they want me to to just not diminish them yeah you know and i'm all i want is to praise everybody and i want everyone to know out there that if someone is trying to diminish you and blame you for your health outside of the fact that you don't want to have a conversation to gain health you know or make an attempt to try to do it or whatever um they're probably not the, they probably are not going to help you gain health I have an interesting question for you, sure. based on what you've said about your your diet. What's your blood type? Do you know? So that's funny. I will tell you, but I also will say I don't have I I, I don't know any blood type. Okay. That isn't for meat, or that. Well, I, I'm not saying it is. I'm just I'm just curious, like what? Oh, okay. Well, I'm O negative. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's I I would have guessed that. I, I would have guessed O. I wouldn't say I would have guessed O negative, but I would have guessed O, even though people from your genetic disposition tend not so much to be. But O is the most primitive of blood types. And I think I'm, I'm O as well. I'm O positive. Mm -hmm. And I think we have the greatest negative response to not being on a meat-centric diet. I think everybody does better on a meat-centric diet, period. And, and, and almost or no carbohydrate. Correct. And However, I think we, so 
how badly and how quickly you're going to respond and how fast you're going to put weight on. I'm, I'm sure you know who Ken Berry is. And Ken and I have both said that, like, Ken and I are the guys that if we start eating carbs, we will throw weight on at a weight at a rate you can't even understand. Like, we will immediately begin to throw weight on ourselves. Correct. And we also respond incredibly quickly to cutting it out. Like, people look at me, I've had people recently say, like, shut up that you're not lifting weights. Like, right. you're 50. Are you carnivore now? I am, I am not carnivore. I am, I am definitely keto. I am... So you're keto like how I was listening? I'm still just on episode... Yeah, I am eating... <laughs> I am many days eating carnivore by default. It's right. not intentional. It's that, like, I don't feel like going out to the garden and cutting that head of broccoli that I know really needs to be uh, cut. And those ribeyes are really thick, so I'm going to be full anyway, so that's what I'm going to eat today. Correct. I, I am carnivore by the fact that, you know, my grandson is learning to cook and tried to sell me on eating a pancake today. And I said no and ate leftover ribs. And that was easy to do while I was working. I am not the person that abstains from what I consider high quality vegetables. So right. I eat mushrooms, but not a lot just because it's hard to grow them in Texas and it's hard to forage them in Texas. When I lived right. in Pennsylvania, I ate lots of matakis and things like that. Um, Right. As far as my garden, I grow, I know you don't do nightshades due to autoimmune issues, but I eat peppers, tomatoes, and eggplant, but right. very seasonally. Like, yeah. I don't, right? Like, Which, you know, I'm for that, too. So just, just for the record, yeah. okay, I'm not telling everybody they need to be carnivore. I'm not. No, I understand that. It just so happens that most of the people, first, number one, nobody's eating enough meat. First, first, first and foremost, that's number one. Yeah. Number two, if you're eating seasonally, then you're not in the habit of eating eggplant every day. Can't. So when eggplant comes in and somebody told you, hey, Jack, you got to eat all the eggplant you grow, you're going to give that a hard no because impossible that no. you could eat all of that. Nope. And you might enjoy it, but you're only going to enjoy each species of eggplant for yeah. two to three weeks because then it's gone. Yeah. And it's the next one. I mean, if you're doing heirloom eggplant, which we provide in our CSA, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying nobody's ever. It's just that no one would ever eat all of these things. See, I also believe you shouldn't have to do something to food to make it food. So like your conventional right. big old giant Italian eggplant that you have to put salt on and wait or it tastes like an ashtray. I don't Correct. grow. I don't grow that. That's nasty. I grow right. pink tongue Asian eggplants. They look like little beautiful pink sausages, you know, and, and like. I'm not sitting down to a bowl of eggplant and rice. Like, I am, I'm going, gee, all of that fat left in the pan from that ribeye <laughs> would get sucked up by that eggplant and those, you know, those, those ancho chili peppers. Like, that's, right, right, that's right. what I'm eating. And as you yeah. might imagine, you're only going to eat so much of that, right? Correct. Like, I'm not right. going to sit down to a giant, if there's a, if there's a 12 ounce ribeye on my plate, How much eggplant do you think I'm going to eat? Correct. You know? Listen, when, before I came this extreme, you know, because I was just trying to get, I was just trying to not be in pain, okay? Yeah. That was what happened for me. So first I cut the weed out. Okay. Which led to one more thing, to one more thing, to one more thing. And keto actually made me gain a ton of weight and made me gain back fat that I never wow. even had before. That's and weird. I was like, what in the world? And I was also doing it regeneratively. 
and I was also doing it within my circadian rhythm. So I was, if we didn't raise it right here, you know, without chemicals, then I wasn't eating it. And so, um, you know, it just was really, really easy for me to, it, well, it wasn't easy because, you know, I'm Indian. Did, did I say that already? No. Nah. Because, you know, we're super vegetarian, right? Yep. I mean, super duper. Also, I'm a female Indian. Mm-hmm. I'm not allowed to even eat meat. Okay, first of all, traditionally, we wouldn't eat that eat that much meat. And then secondly, as a woman, I'm definitely not allowed to eat more meat than my husband. Okay. And then even be, be, besides that, I'm not supposed to just eat meat generally because then I'm going to become violent or aggressive oh, or see. something. Some some A healthy lot. human that it demands to be treated like a healthy human? Correct. That's, that's I, insanity! I, Stop right. the madness! You know, if I become <laughs> robust... And unstoppable, like Wonder Woman, then what will you guys do? Oh, yeah. my goodness. You know, yeah. So, I mean, which we know the evidence actually shows that the, pe- the people that eat more meat are actually more level-headed, more docile, not weak. Mm. Do not confuse docile for weak. But we're more stable mentally. We're more capable of avoiding conflict and disarming someone and pouring love over someone harder and faster than well, we're, we would. What we are is we're cobras. I talked about this today. I was dealing with a a, 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 a poser beta male who was telling everybody how alpha he was. <laughs> and I was like, if you have to tell people you're alpha, you're not, right? <laughs> and that... That true alphas, and I don't care if it's alpha male, alpha female, true alphas uh-huh. are like cobras. I, I've handled a lot of venomous snakes in my life. I don't anymore because I don't have a death wish anymore. But <laughs> I would rather handle a freaking Indian cobra or a spectacled cobra than a fertilance. Fertilances are freaky little retarded snakes that have no confidence in themselves, and hence they constantly lash out. When you deal with a cobra, they rise up and they hood and they look you straight in the eye. And they're like, I don't want to do this. You don't want to do this. Why don't we not do this? (laughs) Right? Like, why don't we just not do this thing? And so when you do handle them, when they realize you're not trying to kill them, they're actually fairly easy as hots go. We call venomous snakes in the industry hot snakes. As hots go, they're fairly actually easy to deal with. Now, the consequences of being bit, very, very bad. But the overall, like, you kind of know the rules, you follow the rules, and you don't get bit. When you're dealing with, like, a fertilance, like, the rules are if it can bite you, it will. (laughs) Period. Because it's not confident in what it is. And so when you say they're more docile, what you really mean is not that they're more docile from the way we think of the word, but they're less likely to be violent because they know what violence they're capable of if necessary. They know their power. They know their power. They're cobras. They're not fertilizers, if that makes sense. Correct. They're going, so with great power comes great responsibility. And that is exactly what I'm talking about. Like, you know, you know, I mean, I, I, I feel way more chill as a carnivore than I ever did otherwise. If I, when I was on chemistry project, which includes plants for me, you know, I mean, 
I was an emotional time bomb. <laughs> I think a lot of men can attest to their women who are especially vegan women. Oh shit, no. Are like <laughs> They're like but the, and those are those beta guys, right? Yeah. You know, it's like they're so cuz they're woke. They're so woke. Yeah. They're so woke soy boys. and and their power has been sucked out of them from the eggplant or soy or whatever. <laughs> it's not know. from the eggplant. The eggplant's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you know, I'm not really It's not the eggplant. eggplant. It's the tofu in the eggplant. Oh lord. I yeah. know. And why is it in there? Why? Why? Well, I, I mean, I remember I went to a permaculture thing years and years ago and like it was all vegan food and shit. And then uh, the one night it looked like it looked like broccoli with chicken, and I was so excited, and I guess I was craving chicken or meat so badly that I didn't even really look at the texture, and it was freaking broccoli and tofu. Uh, yeah, and it wasn't even like you know like it, you, you could like season the tofu with soy sauce or something, which is even worse. But at least that's flavor. It was just pillowy white flavorless tofu and broccoli, and I'm like. No wonder everybody hears me. And, and it, what, it, what it was is like everybody around me seemed miserable all the time. Uh, and I don't mean miserable because I want meat. I mean miserable because they seem like their lives were – like they're in permaculture. You should be like the most optimistic human beings out there. you know. And I'm like, I'm a survival guy and you guys are the doom and gloom people. And I'm like, oh, I see. Oh, I see. I see. Like I promise you if you were eating brisket, you'd have a smile on your face. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, I always say, you know, like nobody needs to be called over to the grill. No yeah. one. No, 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 no. You you say I'm, I'm having a salad bar at my house. Who shows up? No one. Nobody. But if you say you're having a barbecue. Yeah, there's a line. Right. Nobody goes, gee, that lettuce. And I like lettuce. Like you were asking me what I eat. I eat mostly meat. In fact, I mean, I had to actually, I pulled up the website you mentioned, uh, which is MeatRx, and I had to Correct. close the window because I was salivating looking at the piece of the salmon with the white, <laughs> the white fat in it was just killing me, right? So I mostly meats like that. Yeah, and I was yeah. just thinking, boy, I need to kill that big catfish in my pond and make steaks out of him. Like, that's all I could think of. But I eat a lot of, like, arugula, lettuces, and things like that. Right. Um, a lot of greens that I cook uh-huh. with meat. <laughs> and meat fat. like So it's like yeah. you, you cook this meat, and then there's this fat, and you're like, uh, I, 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 something needs to hold on to that, you know? And I'm with you on the rice thing, though. I was never a fan of rice. I was mm. a fan of what rice could do with something else. So you make Jamaican jerk chicken. Right. Mm. Well, all that chicken fat and jerk stuff, got to go. And what I found, for me, this is a substitute for that, is I use rice cauliflower. Because it tastes well, like whatever it's I'm cooked. I'm Indian. I need basmati rice. I got so, you. I got you. You know, it's just not the same. But that vehicle of cauliflower, well, also cauliflower creates a lot of bone pain for me, probably more. Really? That's, than that's rice. Odd. Yes. And also um, more bone pain, more bloating, more gas issues, huh. more digestive problems with the cauliflower versus the rice. So I guess we are all kind of unique because even both being blood type O, um, right. exact opposite for me. If I eat and, a bunch and of men and women, uh, that's true too. If I eat a bunch know, of rice, I'm miserable. I, I, I'm I'm spending some time in the bathroom miserable after that. I can eat cauliflower and nothing. 
Nothing at all. And I think we all have to find what works for us. But I also think that, like, if your diet is based on carbohydrates, you're probably not going to be healthy. I mean, that's the constant I can, I can feel in that. Exactly. I mean, that is really the major take-home point here is also if you're on a chemistry project, you're just not going to win. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you're eating fake food, and, and right now, beware, beware, they're trying to sell meat guised as, or, or sorry, chemistry project guised as meat. They're trying to trick everybody into fake meat. Anybody who doesn't realize that there is something wrong with what is happening right now, what's your protein? When you go to a restaurant and they're like, what protein would you like? What What are you talking about? You should ask me what meat do I want to eat. Yeah. Don't ask me what protein I want, okay? That is yeah. the training. Mm. That is the training. I could see the that. The training for the, for, for the suicide, self-suicide. They want you to choose your suicide. Yeah, we're no longer content to feed you a cow that was stuffed full of soy and corn. We want to feed you soy and corn that's designed to look like a piece of meat. And that is, to me, that's... Attempted that's, murder. It, it really is. I'm looking for a different word for it, though. I want to say Orwellian, but that's not the right word. It's very dystopian. That, that's the word I'm looking for. It's very dystopian. It is this, like... No one can actually make a logical case for this, but at the same time, people think it's logical. Like, when people talk about, well, it's more environmentally healthy or, you know, sustainable or whatever, I'm like, what are you talking no. about? Because let's say that I, let's say that I did buy into all your AGW bullshit. Let's say that I did, <laughs> right? That I was all in on it. I would still tell you, you're retarded. How do you think plowing a field every year, dousing it with chemical fertilizers, And growing a genetically modified grain in that field is more environmentally friendly than growing a perennial grass and grazing it and letting it grow back, fertilized by the, the, the waste product of the ruminant that grazed it. What world does that make any logical sense in, no matter what you believe about environmentalism? Like, that, that there's... Well, and that's why it's dystopian that's, that's to me, because the majority of people will side with the let's plow it, fertilize it, and annually harvest it. That's called, you know what that is, guys? Y'all are tilling the soil, raping the, yes. you're, you know, talk about raping the synergistic power of life-giving force. Mm. The soil does not want to be naked. It does not. No, we call that a disturbance in, 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 in the world of permaculture. That's a disturbance. If you see if you see bare soil, something happened. That's right. not a natural state of soil. It's just not. In fact, you can't have it stay bare and have it stay soil. <laughs> right? It can't uh, no, you can be dirt. In fact, you you I'm sure you know that if you don't intend to put something in that soil, nature will. Nature will. Because it's not supposed to be that way. The only thing that stays, the only thing that stays bare is sand or rock. Correct. Right? And eventually something will grow there. If, if you don't clean your gutters, trees yeah. grow in, in aluminum gutters. That's the power of soil creation. And the idea that we can take something that powerful and mechanically reverse it and think we're helping the planet 
again, I'm back to dystopian, and not in that it's a, a proposed idea. That what's dystopian to me is the majority of people think, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And it is the training we kind of start yeah, out. Yeah, they're so disconnected from reality because of the training. Yeah, yeah. The training doesn't allow them to have logic or reason. I mean, they keep saying they want a balanced diet. How about balancing your mind? <laughs> a balanced diet? That is. Yeah. There is no balanced diet, okay? You know, also, also, you know, what is keto, really? It, you're, if, you're, if you are eating keto and you're doing it um, based on the symbiotic relationship with your garden, okay, with your geographic location, with your, um, you know, circadian rhythm, all right, you, you're definitely not eating bananas and coconut. Nope. Nope. They don't, grow here. they don't grow here. Just doesn't right. happen. So if you're eating, uh, and, and also if you, if I don't care how great of a, uh, perm, like a gardener you are or whatever, you don't have everything growing there all the time. Nope. So you're mostly eating meat all the time. Yep. With a little bit of greens. Yeah, like I said, my my go tos are because they they do so well so easily. I do a lot with broccoli. Uh, but less the head than the plant, like a lot. Like you know, it's it's kind of both. Swiss right. chard, Swiss chard, arugula, all these greens that cook well. Like that's that's kind of my mainstay because it. Mm -hmm. it and it, you can digest it, which is good. Yes. Like you know, yeah. most people who are out there have some sort of autoimmune condition, and they don't know that diabetes is autoimmune condition. They don't know heart disease is an autoimmune condition, you know. Um, so most people are dealing with something like that with, you know, permeated gut. So until you heal the gut, mm. which is permeable, and and reduce the inflammation to reduce the holes in the gut, the gut leak, which can only be done with animal fat. Yeah. You know? And I do think you have to be – when a person is in, like, full-blown metabolic syndrome – Type 2 diabetes, etc. Right. They may have to, for a time, be far more tight on this than they have to be for the rest of their life because how long have you done the damage and how bad is the damage and how long does the repair take? Correct. And I, I do think that, I think it was Linda Page's book that I remember reading, a ratio of somewhere in the neighborhood of, like for every three years of damage, it takes about a year of recovery. And I, I mean, think, that depends on the person and their age. I okay? think it's very so, like, generalized, but I think it's not like a, it's not, yeah. I think it's a good way to set an expectation. Like you might do better, right. but if you've yeah. been screwing your life up for 12 years, you're not going to go on a, a, a you know, a, even a carnivore diet for, no. for three weeks and have perfect health. No way. And if no you've done way. enough damage, you may never recover all of it, but you can right. stop the damage and you recover some of it. Like... If you're, Have you like ever you said, heard of Lear Keith? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've had her on the show years ago. She's great. Yeah, so, so Lear, you know, she's a perfect example of how her 20 years of being vegan destroyed her. So yeah. she can never. Yeah, she said, I will never, never go back. I will never be 100% healthy. I will right. never get it all back, ever. Right. So, I mean, you know, where's the evidence? Where's the, I mean, I would say that my evidence of the success of following this lifestyle is everywhere because everybody right now who thinks they need a mask because they're terrified because some 
some TV personality told them that it's an emergency <laughs> when it's not an emergency. Yeah. Um, that is only because they're falling apart and they don't have a clue how to gain health. And if they did, they would not be allowing some TV personality to terrify them into not breathing, which is also required for life-giving force. Well, and I always say the person bringing the claim needs to bring the evidence. So all we're claiming is the way that humans have lived for most of their existence is probably the way they should. Breathing it, and eating meat. Right. Like yeah. So, yeah. So all these claims like you should eat more oat bran. Like where, I, I'm sorry to put it this bluntly, but where in the fuck would a person in a natural state living the way humans did for the majority of our existence get a freaking bag of oat bran? Where would they get that? You see, it is everywhere. It's with vets, right? Veterinarians are like, well, don't give the dog any people food. What oh is, God. what is people food? I asked my vet that. She looked at me. She looked at me like. She looked. She looked at me like I said. Do you see that space alien landing in a ship over there? That's my uncle. That's how she looked at me. Like she didn't even know how, what to say. I said, "Well, what is people food?" Right. And then she said, "You know what you should do? Like instead of giving them treats, whatever that meant, give them something like a carrot." And I'm like, first of all, isn't a carrot people food?" And second of all, where, pray tell, would a wild canine obtain a carrot? Or desire it. Or yeah. ever, ever seek it out or kill you over it. Never. 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 But if your grill is on, they're going to find you. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you what. If you fire going, they're going to find you. <laughs> when I ate my ribs for waiting, lunch. They're waiting for their part. They're waiting what, for their scraps. <laughs> when, I rate, when I ate my libs, ribs for lunch, all three of them were there. Right. All three Absolutely. of them were there, right? You know, and Absolutely. so so funny. You know, we've we've been on here now. Jeez, almost two hours. Holy crap! Um, uh oh. Do you have anything you're selling or you have available to people, or where people can learn I, more about what you're doing? Yeah. So, I would like to encourage um, people. First of all, if you're interested in our story to hear in context where I'm coming from, then you know I have my book for sale. Um, I think it's an important story. Um, I hope, I mean, my intention with the, the first third of the book is our personal story. Uh, the last third of the book is actually testimony from people in my world over here who can share their experiences. And in the middle, I'm explaining why regenerative agriculture is so important and why it's so important to find somebody who's practicing regenerative agriculture and support them. Um, so that's my nonprofit work. But if you're interested in repairing your health, then, you know, I do coach people. I can coach you wherever you're at. Um, I do it online. Uh, you can expect, um, like, the way that my coaching program works, uh, you would expect to let me put you on a plan, and we would work for a, a minimum of nine weeks. Because it takes you nine weeks to change your habits. I agree. And, you know, if you think it's a bad idea, anytime, you can just tell me and quit. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's the most affordable coaching that you can get. It's only $30, you know, a week for the nine-week program. Or $30 to consult with me one time just to find out if you even want to do it. Um You know, if I'm working with people who have more serious conditions, I do a lot more 
um, to help them, you know, resolve that, including but not limited to uh, working with their physicians to help them have a protocol that, and I'm not talking about allopathic physicians as you might have gathered, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but um, I have a, a slew of holistic physicians that work around the world that can help you that I, I know have helped people reverse serious uh, problems if you're interested in learning how to do that. Well, cool, and I'll make sure links to all of your stuff are in the show notes today, and I really appreciate you spending some time with us today. Well, I just had a blast, and I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for what you're doing because, you know, um, what you, what the work that you're doing is so powerful, and I don't know how I didn't know it before, but I am tuning in every day right now. I'm catching up. I can't believe the content that you have. It's so fun to listen to I feel like I found my tribe so thank you so much for what well, you're I, doing. I do promise that if you list long enough I will offend you like that's, <laughs> that's a commitment I, I make to people I think you're going to offend me yeah, I'll, you're, or at you're, least I'll upset all, all you all you're doing is giving me more power is what yeah, you're doing <laughs> that's what I try to do but I, I, I tell people not, never think that I'm not going to piss you off at some point because then <laughs> then it will be a problem when I do right like accept <laughs> the fact that we're not always going to agree that I'm going to piss you off at some point like And, and then it won't matter. You'd be like, oh, he did it, finally. Um, and then that's all good. Because I, 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 it's, it's funny. Sometimes I hear from somebody like, I've been listening to you for 13 years, and I can't believe you said that. And I'm like, you said life's a, life's a teacher, but some people are slow learners, man. Like, what, what, what did you think? I was like sitting around going, gee, you know, if I say this today, I might, I might disappoint Marco. So I can't say this thing. Because when I got up this morning, the first thing I thought was, Gee, I hope, hope I don't disappoint Marco. Because, I mean, some people actually seem that way. And I, I, I strongly think, based on our conversation today, it may have a, something to do, not everything, but something to do with the food they're eating. Like, something. it's an something. illogical thing that you would think some disembodied voice on the other end of an iPhone, thousands of miles away, has filtered everything they're going to say through whether or not you're going to think it's okay. And, like... I think that does have a lot to do with the way we eat, kind of steering it back to where we started. Like, I think that a lot of our, I guess I'd call them mental disorders today, are actually eating disorders that manifest themselves as what we have labeled mental disorders because we, yeah. didn't, we didn't have all these mental disorders when we lived in, in, in tribal and, and village-based societies before we had modern agriculture. They, they didn't exist, or if they were... They were exceedingly rare. The fact that they find their way into early literature of, like, there was this one person over here that was like this, that tells you how exceedingly rare they were. If they were common, you, you know what I mean? There was no Nobody would have had to say anything about it. No, they would have been like, oh, he was nuts, right, or whatever. Like, you know, like the other 87 people in town of, of 200, <laughs> he was nuts. But then when they're like, there was this one crazy person, like, so they, they who knows, they probably ate rye with mold on it or something like, you know, I, I think there is something to this, this vastly dysfunctional mental and emotional state society is in being leaked to its food. And people would get all upset if you told them that. But if you, mm. if you asked a veterinarian, what was the, you know, the, a, a real veterinarian that doesn't just do cats and dogs, that was going to a zoo, like what's wrong with your lion And then you said, well, what are you feeding the lion? And you told them, well, we feed him Purina dog chow. Right. He'd say, well, oh, oh that's what's wrong with your lion. 
Lions don't eat that. You see that wildebeest over there? I know that is on display, but you need something like that. That's what that lion's supposed to eat. But then humans, since we're omnivores, you know, meaning that we can adapt, not that we should, well, that just we just throw all of that basic innate wisdom away. And I'm glad to see you doing work to to educate people otherwise, because um, we're we have to accept on our side that we're not going to wake up the masses, and that cannot be our goal. Our goal needs to be that we are here for the people who are open to awakening, right? Like to open to this understanding that are tired of feeling sick and sick of feeling tired. Like I think that that's the people we're out to talk to, and I'm I'm glad to see you doing work in that in that realm. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I definitely am seeking any you know cooperative co-creators who are seeking relief. Okay. If you're if you're seeking the relief, I can help you. Um, I certainly am not trying to talk anybody into or out of anything Mm -mm. ever. I mean, it's you get to choose every day. You're so free. You are so free that you can even choose bondage. And you should be able to. Sorry? And you should be able to. If that's what you want. Correct. Go ahead. If you if you want it and and my thing too is uh, just really quickly going back to nineteen ten. You know, going back to that Flexner report, that is what effectively began the poisoning of our food system. That was an, a deliberate and intentional move to weaken the society. And every subsequent event afterwards was to test if they could break through to, you know, there's always somebody trying to pillage your village, Jack. Mm-hmm. And as much as, you know, we're in this cozy, comfy situation in society right now. And nobody feels that anybody's ever going to try to pillage the United States of America. I mean, but that was exactly what all of those assaults were that were, those were tests to see, are they ready yet? Are they going to break yet? Are they going to break yet? And even right now, we're, there's, there's an attack right now. And, you know, calling all oath keepers. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's less the barbarians and more the oligarchs in our world today. The oligarchs and the technocrats are right. are not, and they can't be defeated with a wall, right? Yeah. You can't wall off the oligarchs and the technocrats. You have to you have to defeat them with education. So, anyway, right. I thank you. I, I really appreciate you being with us today. Thank you so much. Well, that was a great discussion. I mean, I knew it was going long. I had no idea it had gone almost two hours. So I'm going to wrap up really, really quick for you today. Uh, I do want to let you know today's item of the day is um, the Razor... The Razor Light EDC knife, three and a half inch blade from Outdoor Edge. Of course, it also takes the longer blades that just can't fold up and be put away when you put the longer blades in it. Uh, I just brought this around less than a month ago. The reason I'm bringing it around again so quick isn't because there's a special deal on it. It's because of how impressed I am with it. So I've been caught carrying uh, a knife from Outdoor Edge for quite a while. Then I discovered the Razor bit, phone and, uh, Fin and the Razor Bone, which are basically the same knife in different colors with the longer blades that, again, fit the smaller frame knife as well. And um, I just went to Florida, as you know, for 10 days. And beaches are hard on gear. Sand and salt are hard on gear. And I took my Razor Light EDC to the beach, and when I was filleting fish, I just swapped the longer blade onto it for a fillet blade, and I used it for almost a full two weeks on the beach in the salt and in the sand. It performed flawlessly. 
any reservations I had about how good of a piece of equipment this knife was are gone now. For those that haven't heard me talk about it before, it uses a surgically uh, sharp blade. It's not the greatest steel because it's a disposable blade. The blade clicks into the frame, it locks in, you use it like a folder, and then when the blade is completely worn out and you don't want it anymore, you just simply throw it away. I put mine in a pill bottle, and that way nobody gets hurt in the garbage or anything like that, and when the pill bottle's full, I throw it away, and you slip a new blade in. And it is just fantastic. I have recommended the Gerber EDC, uh, or EAB, the Exchange of Blade Gerbers that use a regular uh, razor blade, for a long time, for like 10 years. I now have dropped that as my primary recommendation for an EDC knife like this, because this gives you the, the command and control of a full-size folder with the razor-sharp blade. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, Jack, don't you carry like a $500 custom from, Cap uh, from, uh, from Patrick Roman? I do. I do. However, there's a lot of things I do with knives that I really don't want to do with a $500 knife. And it's also nice to always know this knife will always be as sharp as a scalpel, always. And you just should check it out. Check the video out that goes with it. If you give this knife a try, you're going to like it. I promise you. Remember, you can always help support us no matter what you buy as long as you start out with your online shopping at tspaz.com where you find all my recommendations. With that, let's uh, wrap things up with our song of the day today. And uh, I went ahead and picked our song of the day again today. Um, just having that conversation was so upbeat. I wanted something high energy today, really, really high energy. And I also wanted something that kind of spoke to the fact that life lived properly is dangerous. We kind of talked about that. Like, if you were going to be a lion, would you be the lion out on the Serengeti that has to go out and kill its own food that could get kicked in the face by something as simple as a zebra and end up killed? But you got to be a lion. Or would you be the lion in the zoo that got fed ground burger and, and had a doctor check you out when your, when your paw hurt? Which one would you be? Which lion would you want to be? So I thought, well, what song can I think of that has high energy and kind of makes that statement about living life to its fullest, even when it's dangerous, and being a huge fan of country music and a huge fan of Crystal Ledoux? The one I came down on was Eight Second Ride. With that, it's been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast.
place that rust and burn. He's got his spurs on the heels of his boots. He's at the point of no return. Turning over those shoot gates, he settles down inside. The tension's rising, but he can't wait until they turn that bull outside. He's addicted to danger. Second ride. Hooked on 